1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 18. 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 18. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was over the tribute. And all Israel stoned him with stones that he died. Rehoboam is the new king of Israel following Solomon's death. Adoram, also known as Adoniram, had the oversight of all the conscripted labour used by the crown during the reign of Solomon. And so he is already well known to the northern tribes as being the executor of an unpopular policy. This experienced and hardened royal official is now sent to the northern tribes in an attempt to negotiate with them. But what a tactless choice it was to choose such a man. What was rather needed in this situation was highly skilled diplomacy. But Rehoboam had already shown himself devoid of such skills. Uh, by the way in which he had alienated the men of Israel by refusing to listen to their legitimate grievances. The people were anxious about the forced labour and high taxes which had been imposed upon them. We read of Rehoboam's uh, clumsy and arrogant dealing with Israel's leaders uh, earlier on in this chapter, in verses 13 and 14. The king answered the people roughly and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him and spake to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. And so there we see that instead of listening to his wiser and older counsellors, uh, Rehoboam followed the advice of the rash young men around him. And he treated the Israelites with contempt and he was dismissive of their concerns. Uh, he forsook the counsel of the older men. And of course this is a principle that has been forgotten uh, in our contemporary political life. Uh, we need grey-haired men at the helm. Uh, and, and yet people are talking about giving the vote to 16-year-olds. Uh, and this is just an inversion of biblical principles. Uh, the sending of Adoram uh, to the northern tribes uh, showed contempt 
for them. And the resentment of the ten tribes uh, had now reached such a level that they actually uh, stoned Adoram to death uh, and then decided to renounce all allegiance to Rehoboam uh, and to the house of David. <coughs> and instead they put themselves under Jeroboam's leadership. Now this murder, this stoning of a royal official was of course wicked and unjustifiable which also reveals to us the poor spiritual condition of the northern tribes. Also, despite Rehoboam's foolish provocation of them, they should not have abandoned the royal house of David, which the Lord himself had ordained to be over them. So we read in verse 18 here, King Rehoboam made speed to get him up to his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. Realising the intense hostility that he has engendered against him, Rehoboam quickly leaves Shechem in the hilly regions of Ephraim to go to Jerusalem down in the south. So Israel's king is in fact fleeing from the majority of his own citizens. And so begins a long-standing and tragic division amongst the twelve tribes of Israel. A division which was God's judgment upon the people for their sin and their false religion. What an appalling witness to the surrounding nations that the uniquely blessed people of God should now be rent in two in this manner. What a rapid turnaround from the situation of national prosperity uh, when in the earlier part of his reign Solomon was being faithful to the Lord and being wonderfully blessed with peace, great riches and a kingdom that was admired all around the world. As our nation today increasingly abandons the one true faith of Jesus Christ, uh, we see a possible breakup of the United Kingdom, and that will be uh, God's judgment upon us if it happens. Verse 19 here. So Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. One and two kings were written as a single book between 561 and 538 BC uh, during the second half of the captivity in Babylon. The division of the kingdom between Israel and Judah was never formally healed uh, right up until the time of the captivity, which is why the author of the Books of Kings uh, can speak here of Israel's rebellion against the house of David uh, lasting until his own day, uh, around 380 years uh, after 
Rehoboam first came to the throne in 931 BC. How could this tragic partition of the kingdom happen so quickly after the glorious days of David's and Solomon's reigns? It was in fact the Lord's judgment upon Solomon's foolishness in going after false gods. It was false religion which meant that the kingdom would pass not to a son of Solomon but to one of his servants outside of his own family and royal line namely Jeroboam. Indeed God's prophet Ahijah had told Jeroboam in advance that because of Solomon's unfaithfulness, he, Jeroboam, would become king of the ten northern tribes instead of Solomon's son. We read of this in the previous chapter, verse 30 of chapter 11. Ahijah caught the new garment that was on Jeroboam and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. And then verse 33, Because that they have forsaken me, and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways. So we learn here that the embracing of false religion and the defying of God's commandments on a national level, the general defying of God's commandments, this was the cause of the breakup of the nation. So we are being taught a principle here. If a nation fails to honour the one true Trinitarian God, it risks the withdrawal of God's blessing. It risks the onset of political turmoil and it risks the advent of internal division. Sadly, our leaders today have absolutely no apprehension that the providence of God might be working against the nation. Few would even be prepared to recognise the concept of God's government of the nations. Western governments now tend to rejoice in the multi-faith nature of their societies. And indeed they regard the embracing of religious diversity as the ultimate liberal value. 
Indeed, they even call embracing religious diversity a British value. Well, they cannot have any understanding of our history whatsoever. The powers that be view Christianity purely in the context of private belief or of non-evangelistic social work which helps out the welfare state. And so they don't mind Christian groups helping the homeless as long as they keep quiet about the gospel. But the authorities have no interest whatsoever in the Bible as setting forth the direction in which the nation must go. Secular leaders do not understand that Satan and the powers of darkness are behind all Christ-rejecting religion. And of course, atheism and liberal secularism and cultural Marxism are Christ-rejecting religions. Here in Rehoboam's day, we see Israel as a nation departing from the one true faith. And verse 19 here of 1 Kings 12 describes a tragic consequence of that. Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. The kingdom was thus partitioned and weakened. The northern tribes would now be cut off from the God-ordained worship at the temple in Jerusalem. This would lead to the establishment of even more false worship in the northern kingdom, which, as well as being wicked in its own right, would also be a further judgment upon the people. The Lord was effectively saying, you do not honour me, therefore I will give you up to your idols. And so the Lord is saying to the nation, embrace false religion and I will give you over to that false religion. Little do unbelievers realise that their sins in God's providence <clears throat> are often the means of their own judgment. So we see in the division of the kingdom, the division of the twelve tribes, the outworking of the principle in Numbers 32 and verse 23. Ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. This applies both to Solomon as an individual and to the nation over which God had given him charge. Solomon's spiritual decline in his older years was the cause of this tragic state of affairs. And it appears that many of the people followed him 
in his idolatry. So in a certain sense, Solomon was merely embracing the spirit of the age when he turned to the false gods. We are told in chapter 11 and verse 33 here, they have forsaken me. Meaning not just Solomon, but the nation as a whole. Solomon then, as well as being led astray by his foreign wives, was also pressing on with his idolatry because it conformed to the prevailing, God-rejecting spirit of the society around him. And there is a spirit abroad in this world and in our society which is a, a God-rejecting spirit. We live in a fallen world. We live in Babylon. We live in a world system which is geared up against the one true faith of Christ. And governments and those in authority feel obliged to follow the spirit of the age. And what is far more tragic is that so do many churches feel obliged to follow the spirit of the age. If a nation today encourages or acquiesces in the sins of its government, then it is incurring much guilt before the Lord. At any one time, a nation is answerable to God for how it conducts itself. See, God does not just judge individuals. He judges nations as corporate entities. I mean, look, for example, at Isaiah chapters 13 to 23, and you will see a whole catalogue of separate judgments upon individual nations. And this is why national righteousness is so important. Uh, and sadly, even many in the churches think that national identity is something that we need not worry about as Christians. It's something that does not matter. But God judges nations as nations. Governments are meant to be the servants of the Trinitarian God. Not the servants of Allah or Vishnu or Krishna but of the God who manifests himself in Jesus Christ. And governments are meant to promote God's righteousness. That is why they are there. They are not there to promote the will of the people, the spirit of the age. They are there to promote God's righteousness. This is clearly taught in the New Testament. Romans 13, verse 1. The powers that be are ordained of God. Verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Verse 4. 
The ruler is the minister of God to thee for good. That is what governments should be doing. They are God's appointee. They are meant to be ruling for our good according to God's standards. So when we have a government that actually legislates against the law of God, that is a complete denial of what governments are meant to do. And, and what a desperate situation a nation is in when that happens. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Rulers should be a terror to those who commit evil works. And so we see that our government should, for example, criminalise abortion because it's wicked and evil. But they encourage it. Now, we are told of Solomon's failure to fulfil this role as God's minister in chapter 11 and verse 9. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. So, the Lord is angry with governments which defy his commandments. And the people also we're emulating Solomon, as we have seen, in his false religion. So the Lord was angry with the nation as a whole. It is not, then, a matter of indifference if a nation is thoroughly secular in its constitution or embraces false religions other than the one true faith of Christ. It is not a matter of indifference if a nation passes laws which are a direct breach of biblical teaching. Because God is watching and his anger is incurred. And, and that is why our task as Christians is to try and bring influence to bear upon the politicians according to biblical standards. Now that does not mean we get involved in politics, but it does mean we try and influence the politicians according to biblical standards. Uh, that is our duty. We have to call the nation to repentance. We have to call our leaders to account according to biblical principles. Uh, and you often hear people say that Britain is a secular democracy. Now Britain is not a secular democracy. Britain is a Christian monarchy with devolved parliamentary government. But we are not and never have been a secular 
nation. We have a head of state who was appointed according to the laws of God and who took a Bible in her hand and who promised to govern according to its teachings. And we cannot, as a nation, embrace the legitimacy of false Christ-rejecting religion. Now, we love all our neighbours who are of different religions, but we cannot, as a nation, formally embrace those false religions, or else we will incur the anger of God. But the politicians don't understand this. And so they argue that in the interests of multicultural harmony, we're going to have to bring these other religions into our national life. And so we can see the, the great danger that we are now in. Now, we read in verse 20 here, and it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jero Jeroboam was come again, that they sent and called him unto the congregation and made him king over all Israel. And there was none that followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. Now, Jeroboam was well known for having shown sympathy for the complaints of the northern tribes. And so they now seek him out to appoint him as their new king. The ten tribes thus desert the house of David, leaving Rehoboam with just Judah and also the tribe of Benjamin, uh, which was so closely associated with Judah as to be regarded as one with it, uh, even possessing part of Jerusalem within its tribal boundaries. So, to become king in this way was grossly sinful on the part of Jeroboam because he was usurping the royal house which the Lord himself had chosen to rule over all Israel. But now God in his providence allows this division of the kingdom as a judgment upon both the northern tribes and upon Judah and Benjamin. Whilst Rehoboam was at fault for the way in which he dealt harshly with Israel's leaders and had listened to the advice of the foolish young men around him, Jeroboam was also to blame for this tragic division of the kingdom. Because as we are told in 2 Chronicles 13 and verse 7, he also surrounded himself with worthless counsellors. And despite the grievances of the north over forced labour and taxation, not even these things were a justification to abandon the sovereignty of the house of David, because God himself had appointed the house of David. Now we read in verse 21 here. When Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribes of Benjamin 
and hundred and fourscore thousand chosen men which were warriors to fight against the house of Israel to bring the kingdom again to Rehoboam the son of Solomon. And so Rehoboam now thinks that military action must be the answer to bring the northern tribes back into submission. In raising an army, however, he is trying to fight against the providence of God. The division of the kingdom is God's judgment upon the nation. And so we, as we read about this tragic breakup of the kingdom, need to consider how we as a nation have departed from the Lord. We must pray that he might not break up our united kingdom in his judgment. Rehoboam here in verse 21 is trying to undo what God has decreed. And so God now sends a prophet to him to rebuke him. Verse 22. But the word of God came unto Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and unto all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not go up, nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel, Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. This thing is from me. The breakup of the kingdom is the Lord's judgment upon the nation. So Shemaiah the prophet tells Rehoboam to disband his army of 180,000 men and not to engage in the tragedy of a civil war. It was not God's will that the northern tribes be won back by force because this division and weakening of the kingdom was God's own decree. Rehoboam cannot reverse what God has brought into being. The twelve tribes as a unit would never again experience the breadth of territory and general preeminence amongst the nations which they enjoyed in the golden era when the Lord was blessing Solomon. Nations today, as well as individuals, need to remember that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There is such a thing as national judgments. Verse 24 here. They hearkened therefore to the word of the Lord and returned to depart according to the word of the Lord. For all Rehoboam's faults, he is at least now being obedient to God's word doubtless having been humbled by the refusal of the northern tribes to submit to him. At least in this one respect, he is now submitting to God's sovereignty over the nations. And that is the message of these verses. 
God's sovereignty over the nations. Nations are in God's hands. If they defy him, they expose themselves to his judgment. And that is why we as Bible-believing Christians have to address the issues of our day, the prevailing sins of our generation. We see in these verses God coming in anger against a nation and causing it to be tragically divided and weakened. How dangerous it is, therefore, to defy the God who is watching right now all peoples and their governments. We read in Judges 2 and verse 13 concerning a nation. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. Israel was delivered into the hands of others who abused them and who spoiled them, who desecrated them, took away their wealth. And so we need to realise that a rebellious nation will be judged by God. And so we, as Bible-believing Christians, have a task. And that task is to call our nation to repentance and to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because only that can rescue and restore our nation. Amen. Oh,